we are continuing a teaching series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks called Those People Skills. We've been learning how to deal with some of the difficult people in our life from a biblical perspective. Uh, We talked about how to deal with negative people, how to deal with self-destructive people, and today we're going to talk about how to deal with those hypocritical people. Good thing there's none of us in that category. (laughs) How to deal with those hypocritical people. You know what a hypocrite is, right? It's a person who says one thing, but does another. We, we all know what a hypocrite is. And, and probably when I say a hypocritical person, there are some infamous hypocrites that come to mind. Like there are famous sports hypocrites like Lance Armstrong, right? Uh, there are religious hypocrites. Where to begin? Some of us are old enough to remember Jim Baker, right? There are rich hypocrites like Bernie Madoff. I'll tell you how to invest your money and then he tried to make off with all of it, Right? And then there are political hypocrites, which is just all of them. All of them are hypocrites. And there are a few things we enjoy more as a culture than watching people get called out for their hypocrisy. Nothing bothers us more than someone who says one thing but does another. Now, here's the thing. Hypocrisy is not just a problem for those people out there, people who have a platform and people who should know better. Hypocrisy is not simply an issue for them. It's also a a, a me problem. It's a you problem. It is a universal problem. At least that's what the scriptures lead us to believe. That it's not just those hypocritical people, but it's all of us hypocritical people. So, for example, the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament describes the human condition like this. You've heard these words before, probably, if you grew up going to church. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says, The heart, the human heart, is deceitful above all things. Raise your hand if you have a human heart. Good, that should be everybody in the room. So this applies to you. Your heart, my heart, is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So the prophet Jeremiah says that the human condition is this. We all have a heart that is irreparably and horribly broken, which means that every single one of us struggles with hypocrisy to some degree or another. You see, the only real difference between you and me and, say, Jim Baker or Lance Armstrong or Justin Trudeau, he's been in the news lately, oh my goodness, or Bernie Madoff, the only difference between them and and me and you is the platform that they have, perhaps the degree of their hypocrisy, perhaps, and the fact that they got caught. The evangelist Billy Graham once famously said that a true Christian is someone who can loan his pet parrot to the town gossip without worry. (laughs) With all due respect to the late Billy Graham, I don't agree with that. Because all people Even Christian people, we have a shadow self. All people, even Billy Graham of all people, are to some degree or another hypocritical people. That's the truth. 
And hypocrisy, it, it thrives, I would say in particular, in our culture, which is to say it thrives in a culture of performance. We live in a day and in an age where, where we know we're bad and we're broken. We all kind of admit that in the depths of our own heart and mind. And yet, we think that we can prove our goodness by simply performing and being good enough for the rest of the world. And hypocrisy thrives in that kind of a culture because we are, we are then driven to, to foster two versions of ourself. In a culture of performance where you know you're bad, but you believe you can redeem yourself by projecting good to the world, you're, you're encouraged to nurture both a private self and then a public self. There's the person that you are when nobody's looking, and then there's the person that you try to be when everybody is looking. And then there's a gap between those two. There's a gap between my private self and my public self. And that gap is where hypocrisy lives. And we all have a gap between our private selves and our public selves. And this is why, in particular in our day and age, we enjoy seeing public people have their hypocrisy exposed because it eases the guilt that we feel about the gap that we have, too, between our private self and our public self. And so when we see someone of prominence fall or be exposed for all their hypocrisy, we say, oh, well, at least my gap is not as big as his. <laughs> At least I'm not as deceitful and as broken as they are. This is why we would like watching old episodes of Cops. This is why we all tune into car chases. This is why so many of us scroll the headlines of tabloid news. It's because it makes us feel better about our own hypocrisy. Because in a culture of performance, we all have a private self and a public self. And there's a gap between the two. Now, if, if this is true, then what that means is that the most hypocritical thing that you and I can do is to get all torn up about somebody else's hypocrisy. Because you and I are all dealing with it to some degree. And this is precisely Jesus' point in Matthew chapter 7, where he famously talks about a speck of sawdust and a log in your own eye. Let's listen again to what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1, he says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, if you insist on going around, playing God in other people's lives, and judging all their behavior and all their intentions, just be careful, God will do the same to you, and it won't turn out well. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? Pause right there. You know how close you have to get to somebody else to see a speck in their eye? You got to be all up in their business, right? You got to break all the boundaries and social norms. You got to get right up into their face and be like, I see a little speck in your eye. So Jesus is saying, why do you get all up in other people's business so close that you can see some tiny little struggle in their life, and yet you're walking around with a log in your own eye, a giant two-by-four sticking out of your iris? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your 
your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, notice here, Jesus says you should offer to take the speck out of the other brother's eye. You should care about what's happening in their lives, and you should speak up about it. But what do you do first? You address your own business. Jesus' point here is this. Yes, the sin that you see in the other person's life because we see the hypocrisy in people around us, people we live with, people we work with, people we care about. We see that they are saying one thing but doing another to their own detriment or the harm of others. We see it. And what we see matters, and we should speak up about it. But Jesus says, remember that your own sin is your most pressing problem. That your own sin is a more pressing problem than their sin. And only after you have recognized your own sins and struggles. Only after you have confessed and you begin to work on your own sins and struggles can you then step forward and speak to the sins and the struggles of others. What I've discovered about myself and certainly in pastoring people over the last 12 or 13 years is that very often when someone gets all worked up about the hypocrisy they see in somebody else's life, it's because there is something that they're trying to hide or compensate for in their own life. That when they get all worked up about what their coworker or their, their friend or this, this second cousin is doing in opposed to what they're saying, it's because there's something in their own life that they don't want to deal with. And I often ask, why does this matter so much to you? And when you dig and when you dig and when you dig, it's because there's something in their own life that they don't want to deal with. And so it's easier to point out the problems in somebody else. They see the sawdust because they don't want to deal with their own lumber yard hanging around their necks. Understand, we do have a role in pointing out the hypocrisy we see in the lives of others. We do. We're going to get to that in a second. But first, where do we begin? Jesus says it. We begin here. We can't point there until we first looked here. Now, assuming you've done that work and you're well aware of your own sins and your own struggles and you're confessing and working on and open about your own problems and, and you are now able to go and approach the issue in somebody else's life, which we are called to do, how should we do that? And this is where the Apostle Paul gets very instructive in the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Paul talks about confronting a fellow believer about some hypocrisy that you see in his or her life. And Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I want to walk through the words of this one verse here, because it's very instructive for us. Paul says if, if a brother or sister is caught in any transgression, the context here is not some minor sin or struggle. This is something significant. You see them caught up in something that is truly detrimental to their faith, to their life, or to the life and faith of somebody else. That if they continue in this activity, there's going to be great damage done to them and through them. So Paul is saying, look, if you're going to speak up, make sure that you are majoring in the majors and not making a big deal out of something minor. Because it's not an easy thing to speak up and point out an issue in the life of somebody else. So it, it needs to be someone who's caught, ensnared 
in something significant and you notice it. And then he says, you who are spiritual, meaning that there are certain people who should speak up and certain people who should not speak up. And when Paul says you who are spiritual, he's talking about you who are mature enough to speak and not make things worse. You who have enough spiritual maturity and emotional maturity, but also you have the position and the authority in the group, in the setting, in the relationships to speak up and it makes sense. By virtue of the position you have in this person's life, being their sibling or or being their their, their member of their Bible study or being a member of your family or being someone who's, who's... who's been trusted for insight and advice in the past, you you have the relational leverage to actually speak into their life. You who are spiritual, who have the position and the maturity to do so, you should do so. Another way to say this is, Paul is saying that what you need to do is approach the person who's caught in some kind of hypocrisy, approach them with care and with caution with care and with caution. Take note again of what he says at the end of the verse. He says, keep watch on yourself while you do this, lest you too be tempted. That's the caution piece. Caution, people don't like when their hypocrisy is called out, even when you're gentle about it. You may get bit hard. Caution, when you are calling out someone's hypocrisy, even in a spirit of love and gentleness, it's very easy for your own pride to well up. So you have to watch your ego. Caution, when you call out somebody else for their hypocrisy, we live in a world where evil is real and Satan prowls like a roaring lion seeking to devour. And when you are so bold as to speak out against somebody else's sin, even with a heart of love and with a heart of humility, there is a giant bullseye that forms on your back. And it is very easy for you to get caught in what you are confronting them about. When you're confronting someone about the destructive words that they use and the gossip that they spread, it's very easy to then go talk about them and get caught in the same thing. When you are confronting someone about their negativity and how they are corroding other relationships, it's very easy to become negative about them. When you are confronting your brother-in-law about how he flirts with particular people at work, even though he himself is married, it's very easy for you in that conversation to see just how easy it is to carry on other relationships and then to think to yourself, I could probably hide it better than he could. There's a reason Paul gives this commendation. Approach with care but also with caution. Another way to say this is that you should approach them as a loving friend and not as though you are God. This is what happens when, when, people, can, when people accuse Christians of being overly judgmental. What they're really saying is, you're acting as if you're God in my life. You're acting as if you know my motivations and my intentions. You're acting as though you are able to pronounce some judgment over my my soul and the quality of my life. And you are prescribing what I should do as if you know everything. Don't do that. Approach as a loving friend, not as if you're God. So if you approach someone that you care for about some hypocrisy that you see in their life, something that they're entangled in, and you lead with, you know what your problem is? You're doing it wrong. 
If you see someone caught up in something that's destructive for themselves or somebody else, and you lead with, huh, I wonder if it's hot in hell, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Look again at what Paul says. Paul says, you see brothers and sisters who are caught up in something. He's saying, you have someone that you have a relationship with. You have a relationship with this person. He says, you should seek to restore. You have their well-being in mind. You want them to rock, walk right with the world and with God. And then he uses the word gentleness. Approach them with gentleness, meaning you lead with a hug and not a hammer. Approach them as a loving friend. But that being the case, you still have to call out the issue. One of my favorite Proverbs is this. Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. At some point, even though you approach them as a brother or sister with a heart of restoration and with a, an approach of gentleness, you still have to say the words that to them might feel wounding. You still have to say the thing and name the problem. But as you do, just a couple things to keep in mind. Speak from your heart. Speak about, use I statements. Use statements that talk about how, how I feel because I see you struggling with this. About how much I care for you and want something better for you. Not only do you speak from the heart, but you affirm the positive that you see in them. Here are the incredible things that I know and love about you. And, and here's what I know you are capable of and that I want to see from you. And, and here's the things that are working and that I admire in your life so much. But then you also have to say, here's the thing I see that breaks my heart. Here's the thing I'm seeing that is out of step with what you're saying that I can't help but bring up to you and mention to you. And then offer to be part of the solution. You see, a real friend doesn't just say, hey, uh, your tire is flat. A real friend pulls over in the side of the rain to the side of the road and helps you change it. And, and if you can't do those things, if you can't speak from the heart, if you can't affirm the good, if you can't actually articulate the issue, if you can't vow to be a part of the solution, if you can't approach them as a brother or a sister with a spirit of gentleness, if you can't do those things, then it is not your place. You are not the person to point out the thing. You will do more harm than good. That's how we call it out. Now, that being said, I, I, need to, I need to speak to the fact that there are those who think that Christians should never, ever speak up when they see issues in the lives of other people. There are those who think that people of faith should never point out the sins and the struggles that they see in the lives of other people. There are those who say, well, when you do that, you're being judgmental. When you do that, you're being a hypocrite because you have sins and struggles. You should never, ever be able to point out the sins and struggles in the heart of other people. And, and this is, in fact, one of, the, one of the arguments I often hear from my friends who are skeptical about Christianity or spirituality in general. They, they hate the fact that one believer might point out a sin or a struggle in another believer or in another person's life. 
and they find that to be judgmental and hypocritical. And my response is, is this. It really just shows that you don't know much about the faith that you're critiquing. Because Christianity at its core is about, is about understanding that there is this deep depravity, not just in us, but first and foremost in me. That there is a deep depravity in me and in you and in all of us. And, and that, yes, followers will point out the issues that we see in one another's lives, but that doesn't mean we don't have an awareness of the issues and the sins and the struggles in our own life. You see, the hallmark of Christianity is not hypocrisy. The hallmark of Christianity, though we all struggle with hypocrisy, is honesty. It's about being honest with yourself. I am deeply and irreparably broken. Honest with others, you are deeply and irreparably broken. And honest with God, we, I, am deeply, irreparably broken, and I need your help. And if you are a skeptical person and you think that us being honest with ourselves and with one another is hypocrisy, then that just shows you don't understand what this faith is all about because it's all about honesty. And besides, when, when you... When you call me judgmental and hypocritical for pointing out an issue in the life of somebody else without knowing my heart and my mind and assuming that my motives are impure and that we're holding each other to this impossible standard of perfection, when you make all those assumptions about me and then you lay a judgment upon me that I'm a hypocrite, well, that just shows that you are guilty of the very thing that you're accusing me of. You're making blanket assumptions and laying judgment and proving hypocrisy, all the while not confessing or mentioning your sins and your struggles. Here's what I think. If you really have an issue with judgmentalism and hypocrisy, you wouldn't rail against Christians. You would become one. You'd become one. Because Christianity is the only system, so to speak, in which judgment and hypocrisy are actually fixed. They're dealt with. You know who hated hypocrisy more than anybody else? Jesus. He would get like red-faced and angry about it. And he would say to hypocritical people that he encountered, he would say that you are, you are whitewashed tombs. You like to clean the outside of the cup, but you don't touch the inside of the cup. But then he did something about it. He looked at humanity and said, you are impossibly broken. You can't be good enough. If you try, you just end up walking around like hypocrites. So I'll live for you. I'll die for you. I'll rise for you. And now when you come to me recognizing your inability to be good, I will call you and make you good because I have been good for you. He, he frees you from a life of hypocrisy. He fixes it. And now you don't have to worry about the judgment of God, which is the only judgment that matters. Ephesians chapter 2, one of the most beautiful summaries of the gospel that you'll find in the scriptures, says this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. By grace you've been saved through faith. And this faith is not even your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
He replaced performance and works with grace and faith. He took the whole notion of being good enough in your public life and in your private life, he took the whole notion of being good enough off the table. And now our concern is not about being good for the rest of the world and good for God. Our main concern as people of faith is giving to God all of our badness and all of our brokenness, an honest assessment of our lives, giving it all to him and knowing that Jesus is our goodness and he is our performance and he is our perfection. We hold on to him and his promises and hypocrisy can't live in the light of that kind of love. In a culture and a world of performance, you are encouraged, you are encouraged to cover yourself with goodness and pray that you never get exposed for all of your badness. But in the grace of Jesus Christ, you do the opposite. You willingly reveal all of your badness and discover that Jesus covers over you with his goodness. And so now you don't have to be a hypocrite because you get to walk around saying, I'm broken, can't you tell? <laughs> but he's good and I'm forgiven. If you are a skeptic and you struggle with the hypocrisy and judgment that you perceive in others, my encouragement to you is to come to Christ who has a, a solution for hypocrisy in your own life. If you, if you feel convicted about some of the things you're doing that are in opposition with what you're saying, confess it to Jesus and, and discover that he forgives all of it. If you see someone in your life that you care about who is, who is saying one thing but doing something else to their own potential destruction or demise, with a heart of humility, having dealt with your own things, confront them in love. We can't stand hypocrites when we see it in the headlines. But do you know the only difference between you and Lance Armstrong and Bertie Madoff and Jim Baker and Justin Trudeau and every politician you love to hate, the only difference between you and them is the size of their platform and the fact that they got caught. The only, you know the only difference between the person in your life who's struggling with some kind of hypocrisy in you? There is no difference. You're the same. May you recognize that. May you confess that. May you deal with that and then offer to them the same amount of grace that's given to you through Jesus Christ as you in love, having confessed your own lumberyard, seek to remove their speck. Let's pray.